Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Patient experience is a buzzword in healthcare these days. Delivering a great experience, we now know, is not just about patient satisfaction. It can strongly influence health outcomes and make a difference in not only the patient, but also the healthcare professionals who work within the engagement experience. Collaboration between patients, families, and providers can make the care experience more positive for everyone involved. Through the latest innovations in digital and mobile technologies, as well as IT and data integration, we're seeing the idea of patient experience making quantum leaps, helping the patient stay informed while keeping the providers free of burden and disruption, offering a glimpse of the future today. Welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm Michael McNutt, Weedy's Director of Education and Events, sitting in today for Matthew Albright. For nearly 30 years, Weedy has been an instrumental force in igniting public and private partnerships to empower meaningful change for the American healthcare system. Recognized and trusted as a formal advisor to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Weedy is the leading authority on the use of health IT to efficiently improve health information exchange, enhance care quality, and reduce cost. Learn more about our association, including membership benefits, at wedi.org. Today, I welcome Dave Bennett, the CEO of PCARE, a leading provider of patient engagement solutions for health systems across the country. PCARE has served the healthcare industry since 1950 with various solutions, including the seven-time best-in-class Interactive Patient Care System, or IPS. Dave's visionary approach to patient engagement, digital and mobile technologies, and IT integration continues to change healthcare for the better, with various health systems implementing the hospital room of the future. Before joining PCARE in 2019, Dave worked in numerous executive roles at such organizations as StayWell, one of the nation's largest patient engagement and health education companies. But enough about me talking about Dave. It's time for Dave to talk about Dave. So, and more important, the evolution of the patient experience. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Look forward to a, a, a good, feisty discussion around this subject for sure. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, we always start all our guests with their origin story. Every healthcare superhero has one. So uh, tell us about yourself. More importantly, not just your journey in healthcare, but how did patient experience become your passion? Yeah, that, I, I won't make it too lengthy, but I actually didn't start in healthcare. My career really started um, in the army, so I uh, I uh, wanted to wanted to be a soldier most of my life, and uh, later on in life, I transitioned over into the areas of biology of all areas. I went to graduate school, spent some time studying uh, genetics and other things, and started really in healthcare as a, as a research scientist, as a bench technician, more or less. And over the years transition, I found I was better at uh, better at working with people, interacting with people. Uh, I had a good grasp of technology and such. So I slowly migrated my way over into uh, the technology side, pr- uh, pr- uh, primarily in the IT sort of areas, looking at Hey, technology, information, and how can this be used uh, uh, back in the days when uh, EMRs were really, really early on. So that's how I started um, in this uh, space. And I've held a number of jobs pretty much starting at the bottom and became uh, pretty well acquainted with uh, a number of areas and worked my way up like many people all the way up to where I ultimately ran a number of businesses. So. No, that's great. Um, and we were joking just a second ago before I went on record. Um you know, talking about the hospital room of the future, talking about all these innovations, you had to have been a sci-fi fan. 
So please oh, tell me oh. a little bit about that because we had a brief geek out moment when I showed him my yeah. um, USS I, I Enterprise. Would tell you, I would tell you at heart, I'm a true technology geek guy. I was certainly a kid growing up that watched a lot of Star Trek, sci-fi. That was all me. So technology and that. I've got a big passion even for that today. There's lots of things I do on the side, probably like many people, technology-wise that don't even relate to what I do, whether or not it's learning 3D printing and CAD and all that, but all, all leveraging technology to the latest, greatest things in your house from Alexa to, to you name it. So, But uh, really, really had a high affinity for, for sci-fi and technology. And it is really interesting looking at where we are today with technology and where I was with the kid as a kid with the Dick Tracy watches and all that that are now a reality uh, yeah. all the way to bones in the, in the, you know, in the sick bay on Star Trek, being able to pan through and look at images. And I mean, it's pretty, pretty in, in, incredible. And a lot of that is real life today. And it's really something else to have seen it come full circle for sure. Yeah. We'll dip into that in a second, because that's the first thing when I go to P cares website and I looked at the hospital room of the future, I'm like, Oh my God, this is Star Trek. Yeah. This is sick bay. This is fantastic. <laughs> if you reference it really quickly, what are some of the things you've been really working with patient engagement for quite some time? What are some things that have really blown you away? Like the Dick Tracy watch, what's the Dick Tracy watch of patient engagement that has sure. really blown you away from a concept to now reality? Well, you know, patients have changed a lot over the last 50 or 75 years, you know, uh, particularly with the need for information. The focus uh, also has changed uh, tremendously over the last three decades where we've realized that really, if you want to impact outcomes and help people get better and transition from being sick to, to a, a state of wellness, you really have to put the patient at the center, right? The patient really controls a lot of things and if you don't have patient buy-in, uh, then, then outcomes aren't going to be as great. So I think that's something we continue to talk about, this patient-centric care and, and really empowering the patient. And we know now that th those, those are really uh, critical to, to really achieving really good outcomes. So a lot of the technology and things that I see nowadays are really around patient empowerment and expanding beyond the bubble of the patient, but how can you also involve those people that surround the patient in, in bettering achieve a good outcome uh, when it comes to taking care or care of a patient for sure. Now, now, when talking about the patient, we're looking at lately, the past couple of years, a lot of technologically uh, kind of uh, centric regulations have come where the patient now has so much more access to their data. Um, I'm assuming that's a good thing and has helped you guys at PCARE. So, so talk a little bit about that. It, it has. And I will tell you, like, I, I'll kind of set the table around this. this is a really good question. Um, you know, over the past couple of years, I've seen a lot, of, obviously, a lot happen. Information, the amount of data that all of us are faced with, even, even in our personal lives, is just unbelievable nowadays. And how do you sift through that? And how, how do you make heads or tails of it? And really, what's important? In fact, I think, frankly, today, even patients, even in our home lives outside, we're in data overload, right? It's like there's so much data coming at us, whether or not it's driving a modern vehicle and all of the instrumentation or using ways and all of that, to whether or not us it's us being a patient in the hospital and, and being presented a lot of data. And what's really important, how do I sift through that? And I think that that's a challenge for all of us, um, including uh, the technology providers. How do we sift through all this data 
presented in a fashion that's relevant uh, to the patient, it's really going to be a value. I mean, that's a challenge and it's one that is growing exponentially day after day as we collect more data and we present it. We've got to really figure out how to make it in a more usable fashion. So I would tell you one side note too uh, with me. Um, I, over the past year, have, 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 have had a different perspective on things. Um, I'm actually dealing with a, a, a spouse that was recently diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm. And as a result, my perspective of being a technologist and looking at solutions from a technology standpoint with the eye that, hey, we're trying to improve healthcare and all that, and now being in the midst of a consumer of healthcare and how they see things really gives you a different perspective. It's one thing to, to look at technology and figure, hey, we could create a solution around this. It's another one that has to interact with it on a day-to-day -day basis to achieve a better outcome. And I think it has uh, given me a, a, a extremely interesting set of viewpoints over the last six or seven uh, months around how this really impacts people's lives, uh, not only from one that has helped kind of deploy this stuff, but now one that consumes it on a routine basis and sees how it impacts people's lives, particularly somebody that's close to you um, at the end of the day. No, definitely. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully all is well or is going yeah. to be well. Uh, sure. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, PCARE and, and what attracted you to, to the organization. Well, I'll tell you what, it really starts back to uh, the question that you asked earlier, like, why would I be interested in patient engagement? And, you know, a lot of things that we choose in life go back to, events or things that happen in, in our own lives, right? And uh, a little over two decades ago, I had a, a, a sick parent that was, uh, that was going through all kinds of issues, but frankly, a terminal parent, right? And I got to interact with the uh, healthcare system back then. I had never spent any time, uh, I had hospital clients, but I never worked in a hospital. And I saw a lot of failures in the system and said, boy, you know, we've got things have got to be better. I mean, it's great that I've got surrounded by great doctors and all that. But the patient and the way that we're engaging with somebody, in this case, my father, um, who was a very bright, educated gentleman, who was a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, but was unable to really grasp and manage his own health care, uh, particularly in these acute situations. And I kept saying, boy, something's not working here. And we, we really should sit back and figure out how to make a difference. And that's really how I got engaged in the patient engagement space, looking again, having somebody personally impacted and saying, there's got to be a better way to do this. So that started me down this journey uh, well over uh, two decades ago. And like, let me focus and be dedicated on uh, patient engagement. How can I better engage the patient? How can I better educate them? How can I better provide the tools? How can I give this information to providers so that they can better interact so that the whole experience, at least from an engagement standpoint, would be better, better than it was, um, you know, two, three decades ago. No, that sounds great. Chatting with Dave Bennett, CEO of PCARE on the Collective Voice of Health IT this week. Uh, in this pre, during, potentially post-COVID world, uh, the patient experience and, and looking at it from a patient perspective, uh, be going to a hospital is always an uncomfortable, nervous sure. situation. Um, have you witnessed a change in tone overall with patients during I, I this time? Yeah, definitely. I think there's two things. One is the pre-pandemic, like before that took place, 
there was a major focus on patients because patients are becoming consumers now. You know, as we start paying more of our own insurance costs and selecting our doctors, there's a massive consumerism that has reached across in healthcare. So there was already changes abreast or float around that because again, if, if you're going to be a consumer and you're going to make more decisions, there's other inputs, whether or not uh, that, that patients are looking at, like how good is a provider? What kind of technology or services do they have? Things like that. So that already was afloat in some regards. But what happened with the pandemic, all of a sudden the need to be able to leverage technology um, like, for instance, ability to schedule an appointment, potentially sit out in your car and be texted when the doctor is available. So we weren't sitting in waiting rooms exposing ourselves potentially to, uh, uh, to catching COVID and things like that. Accelerated some of the like digital front door aspects of healthcare, right? And how can we do leverage digital technologies? The most prevalent one, which I think everybody can understand, would be telemedicine, right? Like, boy, if I don't have to go into the hospital or go in and see my doctor and I could sit here and interact like you and I via video and talk to my healthcare provider and they can render services remotely, that's fantastic. So as we saw the market explode, people adopted, became more used to doing things digitally, whether or not it was scheduling an appointment online, whether or not it was doing a telemedicine, a virtual visit, uh, those sort of things accelerated the adoption of technology in many cases, particularly COVID. Uh, COVID put a lot of parameters around and people again wanted to be able to receive more care, interact more remotely. That just accelerated a lot of these uh, technologies that we, that we take for granted today. And that's been phenomenal. And as a result of that, uh, more data is created, obviously, when you're when you're remotely interacting, whether or not it's by remote patient monitoring devices, whether or not it's a telemedicine appointment. So all of that's accelerating. And then what our, our challenge was, hey, how can we adopt this and put this technology in place and expand it beyond what we're using it today uh, into new and different forms and purposes, uh, trying to address certain problems and issues that we see healthcare systems and others are facing. So, so it's been incredible. I think the last two to three years, the amount of technology and the adoption rate, a lot of those barriers have been uh, have been removed. Healthcare, typically, as you're probably well aware, we're very conservative when it comes to adopting technologies and methodologies. Uh, by nature, that we don't want to do any harm. We're focused on good outcomes of patients, but. But it actually became a vehicle of pandemic to accelerate some of this, uh, these technologies because we could see how they could be used to be more productive, provide better services, to reduce risks with patients, those sort of things. No, no, definitely. Uh, definitely. Conservative is not the word I would use when I'm looking yeah, on yeah, exactly. looking at the hospital room of the future. Yeah. So, so okay. I'm going to jump on that real quick. Hey, uh, for folks listening pcare.com and look up the room of the future. So, um, you know, have fun with that. I mean, it'll, it'll, it's a fun little ride through looking at what this room is. And, and more importantly, what we're going to talk about now is uh, not only the room, but also feel free to interject the IPS um, and interactive patient care system. But also, what are the pain points that pcare is addressing with this room, not only for the patient's but for the providers. So, you know, feel free, whoever's looking, right. look away. Um, it's a beautiful little graphic. We got tablet access, uh, personal device access, even the blinds are room controlled. I love that. Um, interactive sure. TV, of course, that's, that's my favorite thing. You know, I'm still looking at 
the you know, tube TVs in some of these hospitals that I'm staying in that has like four channels and it's just, it's an awful <laughs> experience. Uh, but, but uh, go through, you know, go through get the high points of this room. Yeah. Program. So, so let me think of it this way is this goes back to this uh, consumerism aspect is as we are actually making decisions on where we want to go get our healthcare things now that that are important are things that traditionally might not have been all that important, right? So if it's an elective procedure, it's like, hey, what are the surroundings in my room, right? I don't want to, I want to be in a private room. What do they have? If I'm going to be there a couple of days, you know, do they have the ability to order meals? Do they have a, do the, you know, can I be picky in what I choose? Can I be able to watch movies or TV that I want? Can I learn about why I'm in there? Uh, can I share that with people? You know, one of the biggest things has been that came out of COVID was the ability. Can I connect via video in my room while I'm in bed? Can I be able to reach out to other members of my family or others and share the experience? Or can I bring them into my patient room remotely so that they can actually interact with the nursing or physician staff? Right. All of that is kind of the sci-fi future. Right. And originally, People thought, well, I will tell you, uh, when I think about 10 years ago, even eight years ago, when I said there will be video cameras in patients' rooms, people looked at me and like, oh, my God, that's never going to happen. I mean, how about the privacy issue and all of that? I said, there will come a time where people are used to this. I mean, we have cameras everywhere where we're at nowadays. And the reality is, if you set some parameters around it, could there be more benefit than there are risks or detraction? And I think that that's what we're seeing, the ability for you to have a, I'll give you one of the easy case use cases is, hey, if I've got to work and I have a, a sibling or a spouse or somebody in the, the hospital, right? I may want to know when that doctor rounds on them and what the doctor's saying to be part of that. Particularly, I see that because, again, I have elderly parents that, that I'm managing their health care. And I certainly want to be to every doctor appointment. So could there be some benefit for me being able to be connected while they're in the room, but I'm still at work? Yes. Yeah, so that sort of stuff is taking place all the way down to like, as we know, when you're being discharged nowadays, we know, look, patients, and I could tell you this, they want to get out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. They often, it's, yeah, I heard you. I understand that. I understand. And they really may not comprehend everything, but to be able to bring in the extended caregivers and other family members to be part of that consult as they're getting ready to be discharged. So we're all taking notes and listening. We all are part of that patient's care journey can help them. That stuff is phenomenal because again, we can work as a team by involving these other extended caregivers in that process of being discharged from the hospital. So those are areas where the technology has evolved tremendously and the benefits are phenomenal. Yeah. No, I mean, no, no. Yeah. I'm totally yeah. blown away by it. Even from like a small scale situation, I just took my teenager to the dermatologist and I don't know anything. So my wife uh. couldn't go. So she gave me a list of questions to ask. And of course I got some of them wrong, but it would have been great to have had like some kind of video access point to be like, did I ask everything I was supposed to ask? And sure. she could look yeah. on the screen and say, no, you idiot, you didn't. You know, or, yeah. you know, last year my, my youngest was uh, hospitalized for a couple of days and because of COVID, um, only one parent was allowed, you know, at a time. Yeah. So my wife went or when my mother was sick and, you know, once again, only one person come in at a time. It would have been great for this room for the of the future to be there where, oh, the doctor's coming in. Great. I can log in and I can listen in 
as they're doing the rounds and they're talking to him instead of getting it like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And she has to kind of send the information back to me. Like this, it becomes a better experience for not only the patient, but that family, that community around sure. that patient as well. And, and you, and this gets back to even like, okay, that's great. We talked about the patient. Uh, how does that actually help the workforce? Right. Yes. We know today, one of the largest issues that hospitals are facing is the labor cost of labor and the nursing crisis. I mean, you know, the, the, the sad thing about COVID, when it came and hit, we saw thousands of doubt, tens of thousands of nurses say, I'm not ever coming back to hospital. I'm going to retire. I'm going to move on. I'm going to do something different, right? Well, the need for health care didn't decrease. I mean, as we know, we have an aging population. More and more folks are requiring health care. They're receiving it in a different setting. Some may be in a hospital. Some may be an ambulatory surgical center. But one of the things is, how can we use technology uh, to do, as we would say in the military, a force multiplier, right? I only have a finite number of people. Is there technology that I can allow them to enable or enable that makes them more productive, right? And some of the technology in the hospital room of the future allows us to do that, right? And so the ability, obviously, for a doctor or nurse potentially to do video rounding, right, to log in, what without having to drive across town a physician, right, and meet with the patient via virtual connection while they're in the in the patient's room is, is one act aspect of that. Another thing may be to route certain non-clinical requests, like like uh, maybe my room's a mess, right? Why do I need to click on the, the nurse call button to get the nurse in to tell her so she relays in housekeeping? Can we automate these workflows with which interactive patient care does so that the nurse isn't dealing with that? But guess what? We're routing a request directly to housekeeping, right? Same thing around digital oil uh, meal ordering, right? Before the nurse might have a bunch of questions, might have to help the patient fill out, you know, the request. Can we do that uh, electronically at the bedside? So there's a lot of things like that that we're doing, even patient education, right? Nurses played a huge role in explaining things, but could we deliver a video at the patient bedside so the patient can watch it? It can be shared with other family members. We can ask questions by you know, interrupting a TV program. Did you understand this? And if they did, that's great. If they didn't, then we can assign a nurse or patient educator to come back in and, and spend more time with the patient. So there's all kinds of workflows like that, that we've designed to allow, as we say, a, a nurse or clinician to work at the top of the license. We want a nurse to focus, help them focus on what's important to them. And their nurses, not to be errand people, message people, but to provide clinical care to patients, right? So if we could take some of the mundane stuff off, then it's great. The other thing is, hey, if we can also collect feedback on how the staff is doing, they're doing a phenomenal job. Nursing particularly is a tough place to be. And as I said, somebody that consumes nursing care with a, with a sick spouse, often it's little things where we don't necessarily recognize the staff for the, the stellar job that they've done or where they've gone beyond above and beyond the call of duty. When you can leverage technology to gather that feedback that allows us to actually interact with the patient or the family members to be able to recognize staff, those are great motivators for nursing, right? And it also acknowledges that we know that they have a lot on their platter, but yet, you know, most people, the reason they're nursing, uh, nursing or healthcare is 
We want to take care of patients. We want to have a positive impact. There's a lot of stuff that, that doesn't allow us to do that. So anytime that we can be recognized for that, that's why we're in healthcare. So these tools and technology can allow us to do that and, and actually recognize and allow the nurses to, to do or other respiratory therapists, physical therapists, any of those to do what they really um, have been trained to do and what they want to do, and that's administer care. It's funny when you look at technology and the initial thought a lot of people have is, oh, it's way too much, it's too difficult. But what we're saying is it's actually allowing those in the position to go back to basics and do what you were trained to do, so. I will tell you one of the big key things that I've walked away, particularly on, on my family's uh, particular healthcare journey the last couple of uh, months is technology is great, don't get me wrong. I mean, it has, it holds a huge amount of promise, but you know, as a geek in technology, we sometimes forget about the human element of mm -hmm. things, right? You can build the best solution possible but if you haven't ingrained it in the culture and the end user, the nurses, the clinical staff, the others don't get the value and don't interact with it, it's worthless. And I will point this in, 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 uh, in this particular case. Patient portals are great. Yeah, you can go request a, a prescription refill. You can send a message to your doctor or your healthcare giving a team. But if it isn't ingrained in the culture and there isn't somebody on that other end of the line to respond, that technology is meaningless. Yeah, and I exactly. will tell you, having gone to some of the best organizations in the country, particularly on the journey of receiving the best care possible for my wife, right? And trust me, I when I tell you, I went to some of the best places of it, for cancer care. The disparities, the difference between those organizations, it, it's pretty glaring. But the one thing that comes becomes common across all of those is that at the end of the day, healthcare requires a human touch point. There have got to be humans involved in there. And if you don't engineer a, a technical high-tech solution that really takes that into consideration, that there's a human element, whether or not it's a doctor or nurse, patient or others, it doesn't matter how good the solution is, it will fail. And time and time again, I think it boils back to technology holds a huge amount of promise for us, but we also have to ingrain it within the human culture of an organization. And sometimes as technologists, we lose sight on that. We get excited that we can fix that, right? But we forget we may have a solution, but we've got to figure out, again, how we empower and how we create the value for the various end users, whether or not it's the clinical folks, whether or not it's the patient, how and why would they want to use it and how will it succeed in achieving the outcomes that we want at the end of the day? Yep, yep, definitely. Speaking with Dave uh, Bennett here, CEO of PCARE on the Collective Voice of Health IT. Now, Weedy folks, we're big on data exchange. That's our thing. So yep. we are really big on that. So um, that key element of that patient data transferring, moving, exchanging sure. from point A through point Z, you know, how does this room, how does PCARES technology address data interoperability? That's a good question. Now, typically what we, like many organizations, are trying to leverage the patient portal in many cases, right? That's as you know, the, as, as EMRs and that, the world of EMRs, the, the, the EMR has become the record of truth, right? So, 
So in many cases, we have a lot of interactions. We may have an interaction in the sense that we prescribe somebody patient education, right? Did they view it? Did they watch it? Did they comprehend it, right? Has the MR been the, the, the source of prescribing that, right? Well, that's all that's all great. And that we collect a lot of data re relative to that. But again, how do we move beyond that? How do we get, how can we potentially share some of that education with, with family members or others that don't have access to that, right? right? And then what does that data mean? So as you know, Again, we collect a lot of data, a lot of interaction data. We store a lot of it. Some of it doesn't have a, a real use today or ability to be ported over into the EMR. Again, it's data that's relevant, right? And how's it relevant and what's the value of that? It's a big challenge for organizations, even with our new technology, um, whether or not it's patient education whether or not it's uh, asking certain questions of the patient, whether or not they've got transportation to get home, whether or not they're ready for discharge. Again, uh, and, and the, the other aspect of things with us is we have a digital whiteboard in the patient's room, right? And the digital whiteboard, yeah, may list who your caregiver is, right? What your schedule for the day, it's all around information. And why is that important? Well, patients want to know who's taking care of me. They want to know the nurse. They want to know the doctor. They want to know what's scheduled for me today. Do I have PT? When am I going to be discharged? So one of the things that we see is more and more integration to move that data around. So traditionally, that data may not have been visible to the patient the day that the doctor has you scheduled for discharge, right? Again, we want to be able to surface that and share that on a whiteboard because we want the patient to focus like, what are the five things you have to do in order to be discharged on this date? And we can use those as motivators, right? But again, we also want to make sure that we don't inundate the patient with too much information. We want information that's going to hold value to them and their caregivers or family members that are there, but are also actionable to some extent. Like I said, it may be, hey, if you complete these five pieces of education, you're going to help us get you discharged sooner, right? Hey, if you complete this education around these new meds that you've been prescribed, we want you to know that one of the things is you've got to take these medications. You've got to get these prescriptions filled, whether or not we fill them here. Would you like us to fill them here? Because we can have them delivered at your bedside or you can pick them up. All of those things, we have the ability to do that and present that data. And, um, we work with our organizations to help prioritize what that information is, because as you pointed out, there's a lot of endless ability to move data back and forth between systems. And again, we're very focused on being integrated with a number of systems being interoperative, whether or not it's the EMR system, whether or not it's the PAC system, whether or not it's, the, as you mentioned, environmental systems like controlling the temperature in the room or the shades or the lights, right? So there's a lot of challenges there. Um, but again, the big one is, hey, let's get the let's surface the data that's important for the patient for that particular day and that time. And again, you can see what those would be. It's like, who's taking care of me? What do I have scheduled today? Hey, when's what is what are the meals that I've ordered? You know, it's little things like that that are important. Hey, hey, how do I get a hold of your pastoral services? I'd like a minister to come visit me today, you know. Uh, that like, hey, can I beam into chapel service? I notice that you have chapel at two o'clock. Is there a way that I can join that via video connect in my room? You know, a number of different things like that. So 
It's, it's fantastic stuff. Now, uh, what are some of the current healthcare gaps, patient experience gaps that PCARE is working on now? You know, like what yeah. the room seems I, like it solves everything, but there's still things yeah. out there that you guys are addressing. What are some of the yeah, things I, that's on the horizon? Yeah, I think that if you ask me what the large, most, the b- biggest one, and it's a gap or it's a problem that universally all of our clients see, and I see this beyond that. It's the whole discharge process, right? How do I how do I optimize that and create it so that I provide the patient the information that they need, that it's seamless? Because again, if you think about this, with I, and I hate to just boil this down to kind of nuts and bolts, but hospitals are in the business of getting patients in and out of a bed so they can get another patient in the bed, treat them, and move them through the system, right? So discharge, when you start to look at it, there's there's business issues around that, right? There are patient issues of comprehension, of good discharge. There are family transportation. There's there's economic. There's just a myriad of things. So one of the things that I that we continue to know uh, that hospitals focus on is how can I leverage technology like you have in the patient room since that may be the last focal point where we touch the patient before they go home? How can I optimize that, that touch point to optimize the discharge process? How can I ensure that the patient has information that they need at their fingertips, that we're helping coordinate the activities that lead up to discharge, right? And is there a way that we can leverage technology, whether or not that's bringing in other family members to to be part of the consult with the doctor or the nurse to understand what they have to do at home, or whether or not that's arranging pharmacy to be ready at the bedside or down in the lobby when they're being discharged so they don't have to worry about picking up their meds, right, and, and reduce the drug abandonment rate to others. Discharge over and over and over again is a big area, and it's one that goes well beyond what we do in interactive patient care, but it's an area, again, that all of my customers and all my healthcare systems are saying, we've got to be better. We've got to figure out what the secret sauce is here to really improve that, because, again, we want people to go home and stay home. We don't want them to show up in the ER because something they they didn't know or they didn't understand led them there. Well, you're going to have some conflicted people looking at this hospital room of the future. I don't know if they're going to want yeah. to get discharged. You know, like I can watch my Netflix. I can get a cool meal. I can add a push of a button. You know, it's better than my house. So <laughs> you never want to be in a situation like that. But if you're going to be in a situation, a hey, hospital room for the future over at PCARE, take care of that. Um, any resources you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Anything that you know, is going on right now? Yeah, I, I think there's a number of them out there. I think some of the societies and organizations are great. Like we belong to the Barrel Institute. Uh, I think the Barrel has done a lot of good work around patient engagement, um, which is really good. I mean, I think if you think about us, patient engagement is very broad. We focus on the engagement aspects, what we're talking about today, of engaging the patient and family members while they're in the hospital. But the Barrel Institute's a really good source uh, for that. There's a number of others. Obviously, us being technology geeks, geeks, you know, HIMSS and CHIME are constantly looking at patient engagement and how we can better leverage technologies. Obviously, there's a lot being published on a routine basis there um, as well. Uh, Barrel, what I would say with them is since they've got the they've, they've got the patient experience feet people, if patient engagement is key to patient experience, 
there's a lot of aspects uh, there that, that are out there. But those are all good. All, all three of those are great resources to look at the technology, the overall patient experience end of things uh, that are that are constantly areas that I look at on a routine basis um, to see what the latest, greatest thinking is on, on these sort of areas. No, that's great. No, thank you so much. Um, this has been a fantastic, fun Look at the present and the future of patient experience with Dave Bennett, CEO of PCare. And uh, once again, thank you so much. It was so much fun. Yeah. And I hope we can have you back soon to talk more about the new uh, the room, hospital room for the future. You bet. It's my pleasure. I appreciate your time today. Look forward to it. Definitely. Uh, this has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast, where the healthcare IT community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find all our episodes as well as information on our association on our website, weedy.org. Thank you for joining us and be safe. <laughs>